Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. We're back. This is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. As we finish up on the 10 psychological techniques and tips to sell more and persuade faster. Hope things are going well. Appreciate all the feedback, especially at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Hope everyone's having a good week, achieving your goals, getting things done, becoming more persuasive and more motivating. Still continuing on the trend to do Zoom calls. I did a... 15 country call at 4 a.m. to the Middle East, so that was a lot of fun. It will be nice when we start to travel again, because it's not the same through the computer screen, as you already know. All right, let's dive into it. Let's start off with our geeky scholarly article. This one comes from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology and Dr. Ziano. And Science Daily, pausing before replying decreases perceived sincerity. Now, this one's a new one on me. Usually when you pause before you reply, it seems like you're thinking about it, you're pondering it, but they say it decreases the sincerity in your conversation. Said when people pause before replying to a question, even just for a few seconds, their answers are perceived to be less sincere and credible than if they replied immediately. Maybe because you're making things up. And the longer the hesitation, the less sincere the response appears. They said the research shows that response speed is important to cue on which people base their sincerity inferences. So they looked at 7,500 people from the United States, United Kingdom, France, all over the world. And they listened to an audio piece. And they looked at a video of somebody responding to a simple question. In each scenario, the response time varied from immediate to a 10-second delay. Then the participants were asked to rate the sincerity of the response. Sliding scale 1 to 10, in all 14 experiments, participants consistently rated delayed responses as less sincere regardless of the question. So they also found that if people thought a slow response was due to mental effort, you know, thinking back in your past, last time you did something wrong or stole something were the examples they gave. Then when that was the case, where the expectation where they're going to go back and think about it, the response speed had a smaller effect. So bottom line, when people are interacting, they judge each other's sincerity by how fast they answer the question. He talked about job interviews or even hearings in court. So whatever it is, increase that response time. Don't delay. You'll come across as less sincere. Because sometimes that longer response time is more bandwidth, creating a lie, making something up. When you come across that way, of course, sincerity drops. So speed it up. No more pauses. Get it done. Increase your rate. And you'll be more persuasive and more sincere. And we've been doing blunders for a while. Let's do a persuasion ninja. Someone that's mastered the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. By the way, pick up a free copy at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Also, the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment to see where you rank and find out all the other fun stuff we are doing. 
So I love it when people use multiple laws of persuasion together. And now that restaurants are opening up, I notice a waitress that checked off a lot of the boxes. Of course, the connectivity and smile, remembering your name when you came in. That's important for rapport. Touch, which has been proven to increase tips for waiters and waitresses. Obviously depends on the person and where they get touched. We'll save that for another podcast. The law of esteem, when they're like, good choice. You're like, yes, it is. That is a very good choice. Thanks for noticing. Even when waiters and waitresses repeat the order back, word for word, there's a bigger connection there and tips go up. They use social validation when they explain the most popular items and drinks. The law of expectation when ordering a drink, not just water, but ordering a drink where you feel almost guilty for not getting a drink. The questions that were asked to increase involvement and engagement. The color of the restaurant with the brighter colors triggering appetite. I'm telling you, you can see these laws at work everywhere you go. Even the verbal packaging on the menu. Mixed seasonal greens. Char-grilled chicken breast. Your choice of spicy pepperoni Italian sausage. Onion bell peppers. Shredded mozzarella. And the San Marcos tomato sauce. I'm telling you, you want to learn how to do verbal packaging, you read a menu because they have got it down. There's a whole art to writing it and making it sound more appetizing than it probably actually is. So that's the Persuasion Ninja of the day, which brings us back. I never really got to finish last week because we were going a little too long. These are 10 psychological techniques and tips to sell more and persuade faster. We talked about, just to recap, subconscious triggers that 95% of persuasion involves the subconscious trigger. Smells and colors, some of the things we mentioned with the ninja today. We talked about FOMO and psychological reactance, which is that scarcity. But you need to make sure it's real and believable and buffer it with some type of reward. Got into story selling. Wow, you talk about it. You persuade without detection, below the radar. Whatever your objection is for your audience, that should be the objection overcome in the story. We talked about contacting your leads as soon as possible. When they send you an email or a phone call, try to do it within five to 10 minutes because the longer you wait, the ether wears off and you have less chance of getting a hold of them. We talked about different forms of pricing. The last digit effect, 997. We just see the nine. We don't realize it's $10 subconsciously. We talked about removing the comma, taking off the dollar sign, visual contrast between sales price and original price, and the power of BOGO. And then we finished up with optimism, that optimistic salespeople, they live longer, they make more money, they dealt with rejection better, and they outsold pessimists by about 30%. Done, and yes, you can learn optimism. Get the book Learn to Optimism by Dr. Martin Seligman. That's who's been doing the studies. So let's finish it up. How about introvert, extrovert versus ambivert? Now, we've talked about on the show that there has been a shift where introverts do become more persuasive than extroverts because they listen, they ask questions, they're not as salesy. But some people say the extrovert makes the best salespeople, but getting too friendly too fast, maybe being a little too aggressive can be a challenge for extroverts. So they say the best new research is an ambivert. 
So that's kind of, I was just say in the middle. It means you can be both an introvert and an extrovert. You have both quality and you can bounce between the two without committing to one or the other. So whatever they are, you can adapt to them. And we know the best persuader adapts to the person they're trying to persuade, persuade them how they want to be persuaded. So an ambivert can enjoy time around other people and they can enjoy alone time. So a study done in the psychological science found that both qualities are important in sales. Now, reaching out, making friends, being extroverted, being introverted, be more of the consultant, listening, ask questions. But the real eye-opener is the ambiverts, those that could go between the two, very easily generated 32% more revenue than highly extroverted salespeople. So adapt. You can even tell that a lot of times the way they greet you, or they meet you in the lobby, are they asking about your day. You can tell which way to go. You know within seconds which way you're going. Are you being the extrovert or are you being the introvert? Also known as ambiverts. So learn to adapt, persuade people how they want to be persuaded, and take cues from their office, their voicemail, their mannerisms, and their questions. You can adapt to this. It's much easier than you think. Number seven, be careful of this one. Choice explosion, choice overload, an overwhelmed brain. When the brain gets overwhelmed, it shuts down. When I got too much to do, I'm getting home from a trip, and then there's a list here and a voicemail there and email here. Just take a nap. There's too much to do. I mean, how many perfumes can you smell without really knowing what you smelled? Or the mutual fund advisor says, here are the 77 that fits your needs. Or the reasons 401ks don't get filled out because there's just too many options. Now, on one hand, we want a lot of options so we can get what we want. We want that freedom to choose the product, the service, the food. But then again, the brain can't handle it. When there's over 100 options, you get paralyzed, you shut down, and the brain turns off. Some people call this choice overload. If you went to a website that had 500 different products and options, too many, can't do it. So take a look about what you're offering. Are there too many options? It makes perfect sense to you because you deal with it every day, but to a new person, there might be way too many options. Even with jams and jellies on the weekend, 50% off, choose the one you like the best. When they're 16 too much, hurt sales. When they reduce the amount, it helped sales. In fact, American Eagle did this. They sell clothes and they created a landing page for jeans. Man, woman, pretty simple. And then from there, they gave you three, four, sometimes five choices to make the decision easy. And there's ways to get other choices, but you got to be very careful when there's way too much for people to think about because it paralyzes them and they don't make a decision. So you have to ask yourself, are you doing this? Now, a couple tidbits here I'll add to this. When you do put choices on a website or anywhere, make sure they all win for you. You don't care what they choose, but they feel like they're choosing. So now they're autonomous. They feel like they're making a decision. They're not overwhelmed with the amount of choices. I would say two to three at the most. Now, a clothing website, you'd probably have a few more, but try to keep it around two to three, especially if it's a new product or service they're not familiar with. Jeans, you can probably get away with a little bit more because we worn them. <laughs> we know what we like and we can handle a few more options. But if it's a brand new product or service, I would stick to two or three. Number eight, smile and be positive. Kind of has the optimism feel to it. When you start to speak, you're trying to persuade. Are you negative? Are you positive? Are you doing the small talk? 
Are you making fun of the weather? Are you making fun of the news? Are you being negative? Are you making fun of the competition? I found that to be true that it's tough because the competition, when you're really negative to the competition, it comes across on you. So a study done at tipping.org found that one positive comment will be more profitable to you. In fact, a study done, I put it in Maximum Influence, talked about hotel guests being told about the positive weather increased the tips by 27%. So you have to be really careful here. Smile. We know smile in retail increases sales 20%. It's contagious. It's disarming. And it's very positive. Especially now, we need a smile. We need something positive. You don't be the one that's Aunt Edna that sucks the life out of people, that spits on your dreams and your goals. It has nothing good to say. This is true in customer service. Smiling over the phone changes the game. People evaluate them better. But again, I want to come back to demeaning the competition. This is a tough one for some because some of your competition is pretty bad and rotten. They'll take advantage of people. But if you demean the competition, it demeans you. It pulls you down. It puts you down in that negative spiral. So what can you do? I mean, you don't want them to go with your competition, especially if they're rotten, they're bad, and they're going to take advantage of them. Just give them a way to find out for their own that their competition's rotten. It could be a website. It could be the BBB. It could be tell them to call someone that they've worked with before, any of those things. So they can find out on their own that they probably shouldn't do business with this person. Number nine, make people curious to learn more. Humans are inquisitive. It's called the Zagarnik effect. When things are unfinished, you arouse curiosity. It creates a gap where they want to know the answers. We could talk about clickbait headlines and why they work so well. We want to know the answers, the 10 reasons, the 10 things. And we want to know and we click on it to find out. So you think about your marketing, your email, even the tagline in your email. Be a little more interesting to two things you never thought about. But don't let them wait too long because then uh, that gap starts to erode away. Or when they click on the clickbait and they can't find the answer they're looking for, they're going to leave quickly. you got to be relatively fast when you give them that information. Because eventually you have to answer their question. We've all had persuaders and salespeople before where question questions. you got to get to the point where you start answering something or people lose that curiosity. They lose, again, that Zagarnik effect. And Zagarnik effect is when things are unfinished or you arouse curiosity. Bluma Zagarnik, she's a Russian psychologist. She was at a cafe eating and none of the waiters or waitresses had pads or paper. They just would remember. But once it's delivered, they forgot what it was, but they always remembered what it was unfinished. So when things are unfinished, arouse curiosity, we remember it more. You know your drinking water is probably killing you. Stay tuned. Whoa. You're watching the movie and the knife comes up that breaks commercial. You stay tuned. You want to know the answer. And again, you can stretch that a little too far, but think about that more in the voicemails you leave. Don't give them the answer. Say, Fred, the two things we talked about found the perfect solution. Give me a call. Doesn't guarantee they're going to call you back, but it does increase the chances. Be a little more clickbaity. Is that the new word of the day? Arouse curiosity. Ask more questions. And what that does, it creates more involvement and more engagement. But again, don't cheat them. If you're promising information, make sure you deliver on that promise. And number 10, highlight strengths by admitting shortcomings. So social psychologist Fiona Lee was looking at trust in companies that had these strategic failings, she called it. 
And the companies that blamed external sources for the company problems, even if they were true, it reduced the trust. You own up to your faults, your weaknesses. Yeah, we blew it. We're fixing the problem. We apologize. Don't pass it to an outside source. Even as a salesperson, you don't blame your company for things they do. It hurts the relationships. I've talked about this with trust before, when you can admit a weakness. Because people are looking for something wrong with you, your company, your product, your service. Something's got to be wrong. And if you don't give them something that's wrong, they're going to assign one to you. And I guarantee you what they assign is not going to be as good or it's going to be a lot worse than what you give them. So give them a minor weakness. Yeah, we were over budget last time. But you know what? We learned this. We're less. Yeah, we are top of the line. But you get what you pay for. So admit minor weaknesses and turn those into strengths and it increases trust. Like when Volkswagen came out with a bug, they said, this car is so slow, you'll never get a speeding ticket. L'Oreal, expensive makeup, because you're worth it. If you are a small company going against a large company, own up. Yeah, we're smaller, but you know, that's a strength. We're faster. We're more nimble. You own my cell phone 24 hours a day. You won't get lost to the cracks. Turn that weakness into a strength. And a bonus one, giving options. Remember we talked about giving options, having people choose. I came across a study in the Journal of Consumer Research, found that the number of product options had a big influence. So he did an experiment, and they were selling DVD players. And when there was only one DVD player, that was their only option, one DVD player, 10% purchased. But when they added a second DVD player, options, sales skyrocketed by 66%. Because buyers are more likely to purchase if they feel confident about their decisions, they have a few options. Plus, it gives them autonomy to feel like they're choosing, especially when you're dealing with a maybe an extrovert that has a more of aggressive personality. They're the decision maker. Give them a few options. 66% just by adding one more DVD player. And what it does is it minimizes the brain's perception of risk because there's option. And in the human brain, we make good choices. So they made the best choice. Now there's choices. So it gives them an opportunity to choose. It gives them options. It increases sales. Just don't cross the bridge we talked about earlier. They are getting way too many options. And then there's decreasing returns. All right, so that's a wrap. Good information today. As we talked about sales hacks, the secret of the masters, having that insider information, those psychological techniques, Because I know you've met people that didn't seem that sharp and they're persuading and selling circles around you. Hey, this was all backed by research. In fact, let me give you access to the beta version. It's not even public yet. The 111 sales hacks. There's actually more. It's basically getting a new sales tool a day, a new persuasion tool a day. They're three to four minutes in length. So you get the science, the tool, how to apply it, and you make it part of you. This is having your own personal bottle of persuasion spray. 90% off beta special persuading under the radar. Because imagine the power to persuade anyone, anytime, anywhere. And I'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com under this podcast. Check it out. Again, get your own personal bottle of persuasion spray anytime, anywhere. Because remember, it's all about the science, that 95%. The 95% subconscious triggers. Feels right. I like them. I don't like them. I trust them. I don't trust them. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to look around. I'm not going to look around. It could be a gesture, a smell, a symbol, one of the things we talked about today, or even the tone in your voice. Or as we know, by pausing too long can be a bad trigger. 
Take them to heart. Apply one of the things that you learned today. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for more information. Become a better negotiator, more influential, and go out and persuade with power.